This is episode number 106 with Dorothea von Boxberg, Ufuk Sermerler, and Henrik Ambach. Welcome to Transform Talks, the only podcast that cuts straight through the hype and noise on supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, the CEO and co-founder of the Future Insights Network. Join me as I uncover the stories and delve deeper into the topics that really matter to you. The air logistics space has experienced a tremendous amount of pressure as more and more businesses embraced air cargo to expedite the shipping of their products during the pandemic. In this special episode, I'm joined by Lufthansa Cargo's CEO, Dorothea von Boxberg, Emirates Sky Cargo's SVP of Global Operations and Cargo IQ's chairman, Henrik Ambach, and Kuna Nagel's SVP, Global Head of Air Logistics Development, Ufuk Sumerler, to discuss the impact of the pandemic and the rise of e-commerce on this industry and what the future of air logistics looks like. You know, for a traditionally pragmatic industry, the air logistics industry has had no choice but to quickly embrace change in the face of the pandemic. The question is, what's next for this industry in the years to come? What are the main opportunities and the challenges? Let's find out. You know, I'm really excited about this episode because it's it's been a while in the making. Um, we are very obsessed about talking about digital transformation in the supply chain field, and we get talk about machine learning and AI and you know, all these fantastic things, but um, the meat and bones of what makes a supply chain tick, uh, logistics, is something that I, I think we're not talking a lot about. So I'm really excited about today's episode. I've done a brief introduction, but why don't you all tell us a little bit about yourselves and essentially um, what you're focused on right now. So let's start with the ladies first, Dorothea. Thank you, Maria. Well, um, I think I'm really passionate about about the whole topic of digitalization, but it's not an end in itself. So, I mean, it really needs to serve a purpose. And the purpose uh, should be, in my perspective, uh, serving our customers better. Um, And looking at one of the main factors of air freight, it's really the speed of air freight. So can we make air freight faster and also more reliable uh, by having more elements digitized? I think, um, yeah, that's what I would be very passionate about. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, Henrik? Thank you, Maria, for inviting me to join this. And it's very difficult to say something that is more, you could say, eloquent than what Dorothea just said, because that is what it is. We are a fragmented, the supply chain is fragmented because there are several players and getting that to work seamlessly requires digitalization. And that is where we are still trying to catch up. We are not as good as we should be, but that is what we're going to discuss today. Great. Lufuk? Yes. Hi, Maria and Dorothea. Henrik, good morning to you. I'm delighted to be with you. And I'm actually excited about the future of our industry. And I think it looks very bright. Happy to speak and converse about this. Well, I've got a bunch of questions, but this is going to be this. The format of this podcast is we can all talk and have a conversation. So let's just jump into throw in the first question that I've got and and let's see how we can go from there. So um, how has innovation accelerated um, you know, in the provision of air freight over the past years and especially during COVID? What kind of innovations have happened? How, you know, what have, what's been accelerated? Um, Henrik, let's start with you. You're not going to do ladies first? Okay. Well, I did ladies first. I thought, you know what, maybe what I'll do now is shake it up a little bit. You know, we got to give equal rights to everybody here. Okay. Well, you could say the last year has probably been I'm, I'm an elderly guy, I'm 58, but I have to say I've been in the industry for 38 years. But I have to say the last year has in many ways, if you forget the whole um, 
health situation and, and all that bad stories. If you look at it in strict professional terms, I think the past year has been one of the most fantastic years because suddenly all the normal things were off the table and it was about making things happen. Yeah. And you were not restricted by business as usual. And the way that but airlines, forwarders, ground handlers, airports, but also authorities chose to, and I guess any airline, very quickly had to start to use their passenger aircraft for, for cargo movements, take seats out and put cargo on the, on the floor instead, which is no simple feat because you need authority approvals and so forth. But there the industry was able to reinvent itself in a very short time. And actually authorities showed that they are good at other things than red tape, but actually facilitate to make meaningful things happen. Dorothea? Yeah, I very much agree with what Henrik was just saying. Um, on top, I think, like any other industry, we've seen that uh, with so many people working from remote, it still works. And uh, I, I, I think we've got a long track record in this industry that uh, uh, certain things take very long. So take, for example, the e-airway bill. I mean, how long are we already working on it and how far have we come? Yes, okay, we've come away, but it's still not 100%. Um, but last year, we really saw um, quite some improvements because um, maybe not so much on the e-airway bill side, maybe more on the booking side, but that uh, that we really felt we can work more effectively together when we use the digital channels. And, and so I think we've seen big jumps in usage there. Uh, and I think that's something that's uh, going to stay. Ufuk, what do you think? Well, I think what came out of this situation was that we started to listen to each other and communication channels opened up. Um, customers were very eager to understand what was happening. And, and there was a lot of good communication, basically separating from nice to haves to must haves and the continuity in supply chain. So I think this gave us all a paradigm, a new paradigm, and we adapted collectively as an industry ourselves, the airlines, ground handlers, you name it, we all adapted very fast. And, and I think that's innovation, not necessarily um, a planned innovation. Sometimes it comes out of necessity, but everything came together and accelerated. I, you know what? I think you're all right. I think, I think Hendrik, what you said at the beginning about how if you take away the negatives of COVID, and there have been quite a lot of those, you know, and we hear about them in the news, we don't take enough time to look at what has been achieved, what has been accomplished. The industry, the air freight industry, the logistics industry um, has kept the world moving, you know, has kept goods moving, hasn't it? So clearly there has been a lot of innovation, a lot of adaptability. Have there been any big learnings, any big, um, uh, big things that you'll take away to implement for the future? Um, let's start with you, Dorothea, this time. I think it's a lot about flexibility. So how can we make sure that we maintain this to find this very good solutions, um, not just when there's a big pressure around you, but uh, but just when customers would like to see that flexibility and, 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 and need it. And um, yeah, so I think the digitalization is very important, but on the other hand side, last year has also shown how, us how important it is to have good people. You know, because mm. uh, if, if you do something very flexible out of the order, then it's not the machine doing it, at least not in our industry yet. Maybe at mm. some day we get to an AI solution that can do it for us. But today it's still the people finding the solution. And so I think it's really this balance of doing everything that is more standardized and, and more regular uh, as efficiently as you can in a digital way. And then 
using the creative power of our people to find good solutions and flexible solutions wherever it's needed. Henry? Well, I think that's perfectly put by Dorothea. And I think it's exactly about this flexibility and allowing people to create and not putting all these artificial boundaries of we have always done it like that to, to hinder uh, progress. It has, of course, also on the digitalization side, alone by the sheer volumes, been a move forward uh, and put pressure. It was mentioned before that it has happened now in the in the commercial space. The operational part or the service delivery part was a little bit ahead of the commercial part. There was a tendency that people wanted to stay talking on the phone when they're making a reservation because they could also talk about the football match last week and blah, 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 and, and get other things, which is normal for human beings because man, at the end we are human beings and we like to interact. But given all the disruption and the fact that a lot of, of, of the cargo certainly was very short term and became spot quotes and so forth, then of course people ran out of time to on the telephone and that pushed the technology development. So you can also see here that a change of market has also been very helpful to push forward a technology drive that was, I remember in 2002 at the first uh, the internet bubble, where it was told if you're not selling your, your air cargo on the internet within three years, you're gone. Mm -hmm. 20 years ago, right. And, but now <laughs> COVID came around and helped finally get that push going. So again, we are not very good at it ourselves when we are in control, but when we are forced to do something, then man, we can react. Well, they say that you know COVID is the great digital accelerator of our time. You know, did you want to add to that? Yeah, I think what what came out for me is that at least for our industry, is air freight really became indispensable, uh, completely indispensable tool in every supply chain. Whether it's life saving, whether it's supply chain continuity, but it became very apparent that there's a bright future. That's what I said in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And, and I very much like that for the generations to come. But I also have to say respect to all my colleagues on the airline side, they were fantastic and came up with quick solutions. That's where ingenuity came up. As, as Henrik said, uh, Dorothea, we saw you know, seats coming off and, and planes being loaded when necessary, even you know, manually. This was just uh, amazing feat of quick turnaround and reaction. Is that, do you think that that's here to stay? I mean, you know, it's all well and good that this happened during COVID and we reacted and uh, et cetera. But are we, sh have we shown or has the air freight industry shown the value that it gives to uh, supply chain and logistics leaders? I think really last year has been the year when uh, supply chains in general have suddenly been on stage. You know, I mean, yes. usually it's something behind the scenes. It should, of course, work. And you would not want to even think how it works and, yeah. and uh, who's doing yeah. it. And, and I think that's given a lot of self-esteem to our people last year that they were in the press, uh, that it was a big discussion, that it was uh, that people realized uh, what efforts are done to make all of this happen. So, um, yeah, I think that was maybe a little bit of a difference to other years. Yeah. Yeah. But will that stay? I don't think so. I mean, the more uh, processes become regular again, you will think about uh, I don't know, the iPhone as such and not the way how the iPhone gets into the shelves. Yeah. 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 Anybody else want to comment on that? Well, you could you could say that one of the things that also changed is that e-commerce, and here I mean any kind of e-commerce, both local and global, accelerated. People in lockdown situations had to buy local supermarket supplies 
from groceries, you can say that was delivered by a delivery van from, from a supply center close by, and then you of course have intercontinental uh, e-commerce. So I think that is, is, is a change that have come around that also gave, you can say, the normal person an exposure to supply chain that they're not used to, because suddenly they could go online, book much more. They may have used Amazon once in a while, but suddenly it also moved into their space of their daily groceries and other things. So you can say something happened with supply chains uh, that also may became more, you could say, visible to, to the normal person, if I can use that term. And that element, you could very well see that people have found, just like it was mentioned before by, by I think so here, that people will work more, have been work, work more from home or distance. But I think you will also see some lasting changes in people's uh, way of purchasing goods for their everyday, everyday lives that will also have a lasting impact on how supply chains work. You know, with the change on e-commerce, you know, but uh, I would still not think that people are so aware of how the e-commerce gets to their home. I mean, maybe the last mile delivery, I mean, who is bringing it uh, uh, to me? But uh, my impression is more that people don't even realize where they purchase. So uh, kind of they wonder why is it taking 10 days to get this thing, but they don't really realize that this is because it's coming from China uh, directly to them. So um, of course, we're all aware of the, this last mile, but that's it, I think. But do you think, Dorothea, you know, because we keep talking quite a lot about supply chain transparency. Uh, that is something that is that is coming. You know, people mm -hmm. are trying to get their consumers to know or to a have an interest. Maybe the consumers do have an interest in understanding where they get their goods. Does that mean that once they'll appreciate this, that they will have a more in a bigger interest in how their goods get here? If I can maybe answer that, and, and the answer is absolutely yes. Uh, we as consumers have become um, relentlessly impatient. And I just look at my own family. Uh, these days we order something online and we expect it to be delivered tomorrow. Um, or the day after latest. So inevitably, uh, your eyes are either at the doorbell or uh, looking at your app and trying to see where it is. So this, this space, we need to learn how to live with. And, and that's why I'm also uh, looking forward um, for the 20s, I think, uh, also looking at the ways ocean supply chains are developing. I think we have something here to stay um, there's a growing dependence on having goods in place at the right time. So air freight, therefore, will be quite exciting for a number of years to come. And I fully agree on the reliability. So reliability and transparency are very important. The only question is, um, well, will it really make a difference on where you source? Or is it more that... Uh, kind of uh, the logistics abilities of the big uh, e-commerce giants just need to even further improve to make sure that uh, they have very good idea, uh, forecasts, predictions mm. on what will they need where, and then kind of fly it ahead of customers buying. Will it really lead to buying locally? I don't know. Who knows? But you know, I, I was going to ask you all about e-commerce and consumer behavior because it's not just about e-commerce for uh, B2C. You know, we as consumers and then business leaders are expecting the same kind of results from our businesses, you know, from we want things very quickly. So this, the impact of, um, I don't know, maybe the Amazon effect or whatever it is you want to call it, but the fact that we want things, like Ufuk said, within a day, within two days, 
that is gonna I don't think that's gonna go away I think it's probably gonna get worse uh I think people are gonna expect things a lot sooner now let's talk a little bit about collaboration because that's something that um was a no-no many years ago if you think about it the idea of collaborating with one's um competitors uh has has any has there been any advancement in the area of collaboration in this industry and and what do you think is the future for that um Ufuk, let's start with you today um well i think collaboration is a must because i'll i'll make a bread analogy um you 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 got to have all the ingredients in a very right um, um in a very right quantity um and they need to work together uh, the yeast the the flour uh, the water that is indispensable if you want a good bread <laughs> outcome so uh, similarly in in our industry if we're not seamless and if we're not connected to all the players of the industry in a way that it really works um, then we're missing it. Uh, so I know, but especially Henrik and Dorothea um, are are spending a lot of time in this area. So I yield maybe to to both of them to explain more. But this is absolutely essential to deliver that transparency at the end and predictability to the consumers. Our collaboration. Henrik, Dorothea. I can say that you, as you said in the introduction, next to my paid job at, at Emirates. <laughs> then have an unpaid job as, as chair of Cargo IQ, where airlines, forwarding agents, technology providers sit together on an equal basis to develop standards to make this, you can say, fragmentized supply chain actually function. And, and that is a good example of an effort where the, the players say, yeah, okay, we, we we've each have our strengths and we have our place. But if we want to make this really good, we also have to have common standards so that we can create a seamless supply and it's clear to everybody what happens from the beginning to the end. And if something goes, you can say a little bit astray and things happen in life that you are aware of it upfront and you can take action to correct it. And there I think the, the Cargo IQ journey is a good example of how the groups came together and on an equal footing and that's important. It's not that some part of, of the group have a bigger say than the other. It's an equal voting rights organization owned together by, by airlines, forwarders, and IT companies is providing a, a good uh, process standardization for. And, and you, you know, we need these industry actions to really, uh, I, I, it facilitates work so much. I mean, it, Cargo IQ is really an accepted standard uh, since all the involved parties are part of shaping it. It really addresses the needs of the industry. And, and that's um, how in the end we can all become better because we know exactly what we're talking about if, if we say notified for delivery didn't uh, work out, we had a non-compliance. So um, I, I think it really helps to speak the same language and, and then on that basis really be able to improve. Well, it's a perfect example of collaboration, you know, for, to drive the industry forward. Um, you know, we, and also customer centricity, which is something you're, you've been alluding to here. I mean, we're, we're quite obsessed here in the supply chain world about and rightly so, trying to get a more customer-centric supply chain. So what, you know, uh, because that, that journey to become more customer-centric is an important one, uh, and it creates well, ideally a seamless, a seamless experience. So um, what does a seamless customer journey look like for you all? Who wants to take that? Yeah, it can maybe start. I think seamless means 
easy and uh, and also reliable so kind of hassle-free i don't need to think about it it's working yeah it's there and yeah it's there and it's working and um if you think it also a little bit on the digital thing i think it means that um, the customer chooses the channel so either a personal one or a digital one or a marketplace and then it works in that channel so it's not us pushing the customer out of one channel because the next step we just can't do digitally for example yeah mm -hmm. so um i th i think that's a, an important part of seamless henry yeah I mean, the key to to the seamless discussion is that it's easy for the customer and he has few touch points yeah. so but on the other hand what lies behind is then connected well so just when you have placed your initial order that it doesn't boom, disappear into, you can say, a black hole and nothing happens. But yet on, on one side that you have the ease of access, the ease of interaction, but you are aware and you can have visibility what actually happens in the execution. I think it, it depends a little bit from industry to industry what seamless means. Um, for some industries, whether be it life-saving uh, industries or whether be it extremely crucial um, and, and sensitive cargoes, you need to understand very much what the industry needs or what that particular product needs. So it's all about preparation and having teams that are well prepared. With that, you can start that seamless journey. And of course, this dialogue with the customers is so crucial because we need to make sure our needs are clearly shared and explained to one another. And when we know that, we can surely make it seamless or as seamless as possible or have an ability to then eventually do corrective or preventive actions down the road. I want to talk a little bit about something Henrik said at the beginning about how you've been in this industry a while and the, the changes in the last year have been quite significant. This is more of a general uh, question and, and it might be a bit of a silly one, but I'm going to ask it anyway, which is how much do you think the industry has changed since you got into this space and what have been the key biggest changes? Uh, so I'll start with you, Henrik, there. I mean, over what? Over what period just? since you got in? Since you got into the industry, no, phenomenally little, <laughs> and, and uh, you could say it's in many ways the interesting part that the industry is is not very good at changing. You could argue that is because what is done is done well, but of course not. But and one of the challenges is that it's a composite industry. Right. What I mean with composite or fragmented is that you have this chain. Right. In in the we go back to the mid nineties, the big you can say discussion was that if airlines and forwarders do not become FedExes, they will be gone. You mm -hmm. can read consultant reports and media reports from mid-90s about this. Well, at the time, the integrators did grow their market share. And, and I think they grew from the mid-90s to now from something like 5 to 18% of the world market. In the same period, the world market tripled. Mm -hmm. So, yes, they grew, but, man, the rest of the market also grew. And I think that you what you see... In, in the uh, seen in the air freight market, there was back in the mid 90s and forward a growth of the integrated operators. What you see now is then what is happening around e-commerce. Company like Amazon putting up its own airline with I think it's more than 60 freighter aircraft, and probably the traditional Amazon ambition, like what they did with with um, with data centers, where they also became a major force. 
So you see once in a while these uh, fundamental changes taking place, but the majority, the bread and butter of, of air logistics is still supplied in basically the same way the shipper has a need, he will contact his agent. His agent have access to a number of either ships or, or aircraft operators that can help him provide the transportation. And that, that fundamental equation has not really changed. And I think in another discussion, we came across the fact that still today, we have the problem of getting the right booking information from the beginning. So people come, around, come in and talk to us, but yeah, we want to do machine learning and AI. And all. It sounds all very fascinating. But couldn't we from the beginning, please be told whether it's four or five pieces that is actually 100 kilos? And what are the dimension of these boxes? So we know what AI is going to deal with because it doesn't help if the information we're getting is not right. Then if it's not programmed. Yeah, if it's not programmed from the beginning, yeah. Because computers are typically not any cleverer than the information you give them. Well, um, and I think that that gets back to the topic of seamless. So really being seamless um, in between the partners in the industry, because I, I guess we all focus on being good ourselves, but being very good at the interface to the next partner in the industry. Um, that is something yeah, that we have some industry initiatives working on that, um, but we can still become so much better. And, and that's where we, I, I would 100% agree with Henrik, haven't ha seen enough change over the past years and, and we definitely need to see a lot more. From my perspective, um, I, I saw some trends in the early 2000s where uh, with the advent of wide body aircraft uh, coming in, you know, all of a sudden you could reach anywhere, everywhere with a nonstop flight. Um, there's a couple of carriers here, obviously, that, that did that with their passenger fleets. Uh, but now, of course, with the pandemic, we're back to a situation, passenger travel is limited, and that brings us to a very precious cargo and freighter capacity. So for me, capacity control and the right dose of capacity supported by hubs and hub and spoke systems is it's an old but very fashionable, again, situation. I think uh, we have to say, uh, the real uh, physical supply chain very much depends on that today, that you be effective with those tools. I, I've got, so I've got a question now that's more of a practical question in terms of, I mean, our audience is supply chain, senior supply chain leaders. What, uh, now that you've got their ear, uh, what would you want them to know about you, about the industry, or what would you want them to, you know, what would you want from them? So if now that you've got the platform, microphone over to you to talk to the supply chain industry, what would you want to say, Dorothea? Uh, I think what we would really like to have is a little bit more advanced knowledge on what is it that is coming. I think that was Henrik just saying, is it four pieces? What is their size? What's their weight? Um, and of course, we know that since we are the fastest mode of transport, we are also kind of the emergency uh, uh, oh, yeah. mode of transport. So many customers don't plan with us, but uh, use us if they have to and, and, and if they need something very fast. So it's not about having that information ages ahead and having uh, three months planning times and these kinds of things. But why not have that information at least 24 hours before a flight or something? Yeah. So um, and, and most shipments are clear by then. I mean, if it's something super urgent, okay, then later. But mm -hmm. getting this initial information right helps us plan so much better and it means less offloads, it means less delays, uh, it means better reliability. So um, we can be much better in this industry if our partners help us uh, with that part of it. Henry? 
Yeah, but I totally agree with Altair. And I think the for the people who purchase supply chain services to put into their mindset exactly the things about correctness of information, but also once in a while being clear about what you, you can do with air freight. Air freight today is something like 0.8% of world transportation. So it's, it's a very small piece of what is moved. Obviously, shipping takes care of the, of, of the big loads in terms of volumes. But air freight also offers an access to speed. This may not be known to all people in the logistics. So there is a difference what you can do with your supply chain if it takes 45 days to get from A to B instead of getting there in three to four days. Mm-hmm. Some companies live from this and actually have their supply chains built around this. But then also be some, uh, some manufacturers or, or, or shippers who is not fully aware of what is actually the benefit that air freight could build you give them, you see that, oh, this sounds very expensive. Yes, it is more expensive per kilo than using a ship. That is logical for, for many good reasons. But that higher cost, is that actually a cheap expenditure? If you look at the benefit you get in terms of a much shorter to, uh, supply, you can potentially supply in much smaller numbers several times and so forth. So I think some supply chain managers know this very well, but there's probably also some who should think more you can say detailed about what different modes of transport can be used for. Mm-hmm. Especially now with um, e-commerce, you know, dictating the pace of uh, deliveries and uh, things changing that I think for them to know that this is an option, like you said, is it a cheap expenditure? You know, is, is it one of those things that it might be a bigger cost, but it, the benefits are outweigh, outweighing those costs? Uh, Ufuk? I call out to uh, customers or logistics service um, uh, procuring um, um, folks out there would be plan better. Um, look at your volumes, make a game plan. And it's, it's good to have a game plan, an informed game plan, but leave some room. So leave some room for flexibility um, because sometimes we make, it was very common to make a year long uh, plans and having very rigid um, uh, principles around it. But we see with the pandemic that uh, one needs to build a level of flexibility in their supply chain. And uh, these very long-term drawn out plans sometimes are not the best ones either. No, things change very, very rapidly. Um, Last question for for you all, because we're going to run out of time, but um, what predictions? Uh, and I'm, I'm not going to hold you to this. I know I'm going to ask you to look at a crystal ball. I'm not going to come back in the year and say, aha, you were wrong. But um, what predictions or advice do you have for the industry uh, for the year ahead? Because we're still not out of COVID. We're still in this unknown situation, still not you know, back to normal, as it were. Uh, so we started with you, Dorotea, ladies first. Finish with you, ladies first. Thank you. Well, I I think we can expect that there will be a lot of need for air freight because, um, for example, if we think about the microchip industry, there are a number of industries that uh, see real shortages right now. And so if you're kind of late in producing anyways, then you don't want to spend the next uh, X weeks on the sea uh, to get it uh, to the place where it's needed. So um, I think that's a good indicator to say there will be a high demand. The good news is that there will be also a much higher offer, of course, because uh, the bellies will come back. I mean, of course, it depends a little bit on when are the borders really open uh, into the US, uh, into China and so on from a European perspective. Um, So that will, of course, uh, 
make it sooner or faster. But there is, of course, a lot of capacity that uh, can and will come back on the belly side uh, once passengers are flying again. And that, that should ease uh, the capacity constraints that we have today. Um, what do you think, gentlemen? Who wants to take the next one? Let me, let me go at this. Well, I similarly think that with the advancement of vaccination, uh, there will be eventual easing. Um, it might take a year, maybe a little bit more. Uh, we have to see, but eventually we will not have this extremely tense uh, supply chain situation. And I likewise hope that the ocean industry also gets back to a more predictable nature. Um, and, and at that time, obviously, we'll have to learn to live in a more um, 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 moderate way of uh, planning, uh, and, and obviously the costs will eventually come down. Uh, but I still think with e-commerce and, and also life sciences that are now obviously elevated, the need for air freight is, ever, is, is bigger than ever. So it's going to be an interesting couple of years ahead of us uh, without a shadow of a doubt. Henrik? Yeah, but I think it, it, it's obvious that air freight will remain strong. But of course, it, from a small base, 0.8% of global volumes. But at the same time, having said that, it is something like 34% of global trade value. So it is small, but it's the valuable stuff. And let's not forget that there are whole societies that depend on what we're doing. If you go to a country like Kenya and Africa and the flower industry, where they, without spending a lot of, of, of fossil fuel, can produce flowers, they can be flown to Europe. They, that business alone support millions. I think I read that up to 2.2 million people in Kenya is directly dependent in their livelihoods from the flower industry. Air freight transported, I'm not sure shipping is ready with a supply chain from Kenya to Europe for flowers, for example. And still, you are, and I know we don't have time to discuss sustainability today, but you then start and have a conversation about sustainability in a bigger, in a bigger perspective, because the, the flowers grown in Kenya is grown under the sun. So once they land in Europe, I think a British university once calculated the footprint of these flowers is still 25% of what flowers grown in a European greenhouse has as, as, a, as emissions footprint. So what I'm getting at here in short version here is that air freight is very important to sustainability and the development of livelihoods because we provide access for, for products uh, worldwide. Do you, know, do you know, that's a very good point that I don't want to leave without discussing it just a little bit which is the sustainability angle. I mean, if you, for the untrained person or the, uh, or the very casual uh, mm -hmm. comment of, oh, air freight, it must be very bad for the environment. Clearly there has to be an intelligent approach to viewing this. It cannot just be a metric rule, air freight equals bad. You know, it's got to be, which to some degree, unfortunately, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we laugh, but to some degree that, that is exactly, I think supply chain managers in the public whole look at air freight equals expensive, air freight equals bad for sustainability, uh, when clearly the reality is a bit different. It's more, more, compli more complicated, more complex, and it needs more analysis. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yes, and it, it is become what is sustainability? Sustainability, is that in isolation, an environmental debate, or is it a societal sustainability mm -hmm. conversation? That's hence my example with Kenya, for example. You could decide well, social responsibility issue as well. Exactly. I mean, you could decide not to move flowers out of Kenya and stop that business completely. 
and then 2.2 million people don't have an, uh, an income anymore. Mm. Is that is that sustainable? Civil aviation produces something like 2% of the world's CO2 emissions. Are we supposed to deal with that? No discussion. SAF or sustainable aviation fuel on uh, on the advanced, but society may have other areas that is far easier to deal with mm. first and then deal with, with uh, aviation over a course of period and deal with some of those chunks of, of CO2 emissions, which is bigger, knowing that the availability of fuel for aviation purposes is relatively limited. And as far as we understand it, will remain limited for the next couple of years. So even if we took the beautiful decision, say tomorrow, all flights is going to be on sustainable aviation fuel, is not technically possible. No. Well, clearly it's not. It's just a question of not making assumptions. I think that's that's what it comes down to. Um, well, I want to thank you all for being here. And I think maybe the next time we have a bigger conversation around the sustainability piece and also around the people piece, because Dorothea, you brought that up in the beginning of the conversation that a lot of the changes that happened or a lot of the crisis uh, that we've seen through, had, we couldn't have gone through without the people element. And I'd be interested to find out how you manage things during this time, you know, you. managing people and how you led, uh, you know, by example. So um, I want to thank you all for being here, uh, Dorothea, Henrik, Ufuk, and I'm sure we'll see you again soon. Thank, thank you. Thanks for joining us today at Transform Talks. I hope you found this valuable. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe, comment, and share. I'll see you at the next one.